pray this prayer with me as we are today we are in Revelation chapter 13 verses 1 through 10. Pray this with me. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning is now and will be forever. Blessed are the readers, hearers and keepers of this word. Revelation 13, 1 through 10. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and the blasphemous names on its head. And the beast saw, the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, for he had given authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for forty-two months. And it opened its mouth, to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation, and all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain, If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. You guys may be seated. Uh, A little part of me laughs uh, that we are trying to make sense of this section of Revelation. And it makes me even laugh more because I wrote that sentence down and then I went downstairs and Mo was opened up the book of Daniel and was reading the book of Daniel. And she said that Daniel didn't even understand what he was saying and much of that text that she was referring to is put here in this text. So Daniel, who saw this vision, didn't even understand what he was saying. And here we are today. We get to make uh, a lot of sense out of it. And, and it, it just makes me laugh a little bit because there's so much chaos and there's so much imagery and there's so much mystery all wrapped into this text. And in our day and age and our place, we don't really use imagery unless it's for advertisements, unless it's to get somebody to, to buy something. We don't like chaos at all. We want order. We want things to work in a proper way. We want things to set out and always kind of be this way. And we demand certainty instead of wading into the mystery of life. We just kind of, we want it and we walk in and we think this is the way it should always be, um, only to be disappointed. And here we are in real deep with all three, chaos, imagery, and mystery. The image and the mystery comes from the Lord while the chaos does not. The dragon of this last chapter has now, of the last uh, chapter 12, has now given its authority over to this beast. And the beast is coming out of the sea. And I, you can think of this like this, and the kids, you guys can appreciate this today. It's like 
Ursula in The Little Mermaid rising up out of the sea. She even has thorns and she's laughing and there's this haunting, menacing thing. And she in that is causing a great storm and great confusion. And here in this text, we see the, saint, the beast kind of doing the same thing, creating confusion and chaos. And it is being revealed that this is the source of all evil in the story. All evil. If it's this beast, if this beast wins, then the world will be dark. We will be live in fear and terror. And, and this beast has ten horns and seven heads with diadems on the horns and blasphemous names on its head. It looks, I love this imagery so much. The look of the beast is like a leopard, but its feet are like a bear and its mouth is like a lion. Once the authority was given over to the beast and people turned and worshipped the dragon who gave the authority and then they worshipped the beast for having the authority. The, the, the horns and the heads and the diadems here are meant to show us the complexity and extent of the beast and his rule. The beast isn't just ruling over a few Satan worshippers gathered together in some dark corner. This beast is ruling over the earth. It's ruling over the nations. It's ruling over all the economic systems. It's ruling over all the stock markets. It's ruling over all the intelligentsia and the, and the creators of this world. It's ruling over all art and entertainment. It's ruling over all religions and so on and so on and so on. Any category that you think of, this beast is ruling and reigning over. There seems to be nothing that isn't under the rule and influence and control of the beast. And in this rule, there's chaos and there is evil. Many believe historically that this beast represents Rome at its height. Rome was big. It was powerful. It was far reaching. It seemed to be in charge of the entire world. In the entire world, Rome ruled with an iron fist and demanded loyalty of its citizens and its subjects. Rome didn't tolerate anything or really anyone who didn't worship the state of Rome and the emperor of Rome. It was the greatest mega power on the planet that would never fail if you just trusted in it. And yet Christians who read Revelation this would have been very close to what they could have seen. They could have taken the beast and gone, well, yeah, we've seen all this. We've seen what this looks like. Rome is the beast. And this is what happens, though. When we can learn, we learn that Rome potentially isn't the beast. It fell. But we can, we can see this, this side of history. That when a nation demands more and more loyalty and it demands its worship, it's not a good thing. It's not, it's not a godly thing. It's destructive in, in the way that it goes about it. And most of the time, we don't have countries that are as blatantly, that blatantly do this like the book of Revelation does. It's far more subtle. And those who don't worship the nation are made to feel as if they're less than in this, this national worship and this national pride. Um, people that don't worship the nation are made to feel unpatriotic. And not only that, but just like flat out wrong. Flat out wrong. But nations throughout history have constantly tried to take the place of God 
and the worship away from God and shift its people's worship towards the state or its leader. One of the blasphemies of the beast here is that God isn't visible. And if the nation can make God invisible, which people will, will believe because they'll say, hey, we're visible, look to us. We'll provide for you. Look to us. We'll do these things. And that's one of the blasphemies that is given. And I would remind us as Christians, especially today in, in I'm preaching the United States of America. And we are a great nation. There are many in, in this world that would say that this isn't Rome. This is the United States of America. I'm not saying that it is. Just as like, I think that would be arrogant for us to presume that as well. But I would remind us as Christians today, it's okay to love our nation. It's not a bad thing. But we never give it the full loyalty that they want from us. We as Christians are aliens of this world. We are outsiders. We are foreigners. And because we belong to a different kingdom, we get to realize that. That nations can be loved, but they are never to be worshipped. They can be good things that God uses, but they are never to take the place of God. And we as Christians need to remember that we don't worship our nation. We already have a king, and he's seated on a throne. In fact, an ironic twist is that the beast and dragon and the nations think they have authority. And you know what? They don't. They don't have this authority. All the power... And, the, and, the, and all of the world belongs to the king of kings who is seated on the throne and the lamb who is slain. That's what it says before we get to this section. And that's what it'll say after. And we as Christians believe this and get to remember it. And if the analogies of nations don't, don't work for the beast, idols certainly do. And I'm not talking about little statues or, or anything like that. I'm talking about the things that demand our loyalty at the expense of the worship of God. Anything that tries to take that, that first place, that preeminent place in our lives. Any, anything that is taking up all of our time and all of our energy and all of our money and all of our focus and all of our thoughts. This can be for us as distracted as we um, in this world were distracted by a myriad of things. Idols can be individualized to each and every person. Or it can be put into niche groups or tribes where it's like, this is where I'm going to hang my hat. This is where I belong. And I love the question in verse 4. It says, who is like the beast and who can fight against this? Like we, we as a church, we were in Psalms for four and a half years. You feel like you've heard this verse before, right? But just a different subject matter, not the beast, but this is, this is God. Like who is like our God and who can stand against him? We, if we feel this way about anything, if we replace God, if we replace God with the beast, if we replace God with music or money or sex or security or, or home or the idea of home or if we replace um, if we replace who can fight uh, who can fight against my work who can fight against it this is idolatry and it's that idolatry that is bringing chaos and evil into our lives and all of these things can be good things and can be used by God for his purposes and they were but they were never meant to take the place of God. They were supposed to show 
how generous God is, never take the throne from him. When an idol takes the place of God, that's when chaos and evil run rampant in our lives. This song to the beast, who is like the beast, who can fight against it, is like the songs that we sing out to Jesus. It is worship misplaced. And when we think the the beast or the idols or the nations or anything like that is more powerful, but we've been shown as Christians, we've tasted and we've seen that this is not true. And we don't believe this. And we we reject this idea that, that who can fight against the beast. We know who is better than the beast. We know who can fight and who's already defeated the beast, even in this story as we see it now. The authority in the dragon The authority that the dragon gives to the beast, this is what I love. It wasn't even his to give. It was a false authority that he was giving. The authority that the beast seems to have isn't even his. It's a false false authority. The authorities that the idols claim in our life, it's not theirs to claim. All idols demand loyalty, total loyalty. Loyalty that should never belong to them. And the beast's power is false power and it's just not as real as it seems like it is in the moment the idols that have power it's false power and this is what it's one of its great uh flaws is that it's claiming its godlike status when we already know that all power and authority and dominion over all things belongs to god but here's why i think that we do this oftentimes because we don't understand how this all works how we can be quick to, uh, this is why we sometimes are quick to hand our loyalties where they don't belong. We don't understand how God's authorities work. We just know that he has it. I think of this, my, my niece asked me a question, why is the part of rhubarb poisonous? Why was the plant designed like that? And the answer is, I don't know, but it is. And so don't eat it, please, that's the answer. But, and, and she was asking, why, why, why? And I was just like, then we come to this text and I'm like, I don't know, but I know that God created it. I don't know if it was there pre-fall, post-fall. I don't know, but right now in its present state, it is poisonous and we shouldn't eat it. We don't understand why all the evils or why there's a beast should be allowed to bring chaos and evil into this world. With some of our deepest questions, why did this happen? All of that. But yet we can still believe and still in faith know that God is in control. The beast and the dragons and all their worshipers are never in control. Even if it looks like they are winning, they are not. God is the one who is victorious. And if we were to understand all that God does in all the ways that God is, then he would stop being God for us. God has a plan and has his future, uh, has all history and future in his hands. And this is best seen, uh, I, I believe, on the, through the cross of Christ. Jesus was God come to earth to show us what God was like in a deep and meaningful way. The life that Jesus lived is full of God's love for us, his compassion for us. But it also shows us God's lack of tolerance for idols when they try to take his place. This is, this is um, shown through the stories of Jesus 
when the nation and religion is often serve as idols instead of vehicles for God's love. And we see in these stories that Jesus is the vehicle for God's perfect love. And then they took Jesus, who never committed an earthly crime. He even paid his taxes. He never, paid, he never committed an earthly crime. According to the law of Scripture, he never committed a sin. And yet he was still beaten and put on a cross. A cross where he not only suffered, he died. And it looked like ultimate defeat. It looked like evil won the day, just like this story with the beast. It looks like all the authority was handed over to the beast and to the Roman nation, and it was just having its way that the beast is going to win. Jesus is dead. Jesus is buried. He lost. Look, there's his grave. God could have chosen so many ways to win the war over Satan. He could have chosen so many ways to defeat sin and death for us. But he, cho- he chose a way where winning looks like losing. How does one who have all the authority and power appear to lose? I don't know. But we know that Jesus rose again and we are here today because we believe that he is not dead. That he didn't lose. But in fact, it looked like what was a loss was his biggest victory and we celebrate it every week with his broken body and his shed blood. Jesus crushed Satan on the cross. Jesus flipped all authority that Satan seemed to have and possess on its head. Sin is erased, never to be seen again because of the blood of Jesus. And death and the ultimate authority and control is demolished when Jesus rises from the dead. The Bible is full of stories that look like losing, only to turn out that the powerful are the losers in the long run. For us as followers, this can mean that we get to endure. We are called to resist the evil forces of this world and place our faith in the power of God, in the true power that God possesses. It's always going to not appear that way, but we're, the appearances aren't as true as what God actually brings. The beast in verse 5 was given a mouth. And with that mouth, he utters haughty and blasphemous words. And I love that the mouth is like a lion, which means it's ferocious words. We're supposed to believe in their power. It blasphemes God and his dwelling, which God dwells with his people. So his people are affected. And the, the, the blasphemy, blasphemies come to his people too, even to the point of making war on them and killing them and murdering them and torturing them and putting them in exile. The beast blasphemes God's dwelling, and we know that as God dwells in humanity through Christ, the beast is blaspheming Jesus as well. And I want us as a church to be aware of the ways that these blasphemies work so that we can know Satan's tactics and stand against the beast and his desires to destroy us. If we are wise to this, then maybe we can do a better job resisting and a better job enduring. This shows us that even though we are persecuted and blasphemed, we still get to remain with God. We still get to hold on to God's truth over against what we see in our own lives. 
And I know many Christians want to know if we're going to be taken up to heaven before or after the beast or during the beast, if, if, if it's before he's allowed to rule. And I'll, I'm not going to be the one to have the answer for you. You guys know that. But what I do know is that in that day and in that age and in that place, there is going to be plenty that is trying to pull our allegiances away from Jesus and they want to destroy us just like those things are happening today. There's much that mocks what we believe as Christians. There's much that would uh, lock us away if it could get us away from Christ and leave us in a really bad place. In other words, we as Christians will be persecuted. And in the midst of that persecution, we don't have to believe that God is a loser or that God's truths are false. Our faith is bigger than losing. Amen? Our faith is bigger than being mocked or persecuted. Our faith is even bigger than death. And Jesus showed us that by his triumph over death in his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection. We are called that even if we are taken captive, I don't know if we will or not in this situation. I'm not saying we will, but if we are taken captive or we're slain with the sword, or we're shot with a gun, or we're poisoned, or, or anything like that happens. We are called to endure, and we're called to have faith. Part of the meaning of the word endure is expectation. We get to remember that the words that we have in our English Bible are translated from a different language. And anybody that knows more than one language knows that there's very seldom um, a word that can be translated directly. I mean, maybe for like ideas like, like fork and knife, those are single words that can be translated. But like big ideas like endurance, translation is rarely given in one word. And we can see that the full meaning of this word here is that there's the full meaning of endure. That There's an expectancy that's supposed to be in endurance. There's a patience that is supposed to come with endurance. There's persevering. There is steadfastness or unwavering attitudes in this endurance and unwavering in our attitude towards Christ, who he is and what he means. And there's a willingness to remain behind. I love this idea behind this, that there's a willingness to be uh, remained behind or to hold out from maybe some of the thoughts of this world, maybe some of the actions of this world. But we, can, uh, we don't like to be left behind, do we? So we like to move forward. And yet, we are to endure. We are also had, called to have faith. And I think the best definition of faith comes from the scriptures themselves in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. Not seen like Jesus' victory because it looks like the beast is bigger. We can't always see the victory. That's the point here. We don't always look like we are winning and we get to know this and realize this. And we look as though we are going to be conquered at any moment. And yet, and yet, and yet for us, we are called to endure and we're called to have faith. We get to hold on and we get to have this faith. This scripture is teaching us, and I would argue that all of scripture is teaching us and it's that no matter what, we don't give up on the hope that we have in Christ. It doesn't matter what chaos and evil is threatening us. 
It may persecute us. It may take us captive. It may kill us. But that doesn't mean that chaos and evil win because they don't. This is my simple prayer for us at Grace and Mercy. Let us walk with the encouragement in this great mystery of our faith. It is unseen, and yet we can be certain of Jesus' victory and hold on to that truth and endure with that truth forever. So Jesus, may we walk with the encouragement in this great mystery of our faith that what is unseen, Lord, we can be certain of your victory forever. We can be certain of your forgiveness for our sins. We can be certain that in the end you win and that you've already won. Jesus, help us believe that and help us endure. In Jesus' name, amen.